Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message.
you're splitting human history in two right now. You're the real Passover lamb. You're winning us to God from every nation, from every language group, from every people group. You are, and you're doing it all by yourself. You're fulfilling Isaiah 53 right now. You're wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. By your stripes we're healed. Nobody talked to him like this. Nobody stood in front of the cross and prophesied over him. Nobody stood in front of the cross and encouraged him. Nobody said to him, you're doing Genesis 3.15 right now. You're taking it in the heel and you're giving it to the devil in the head. It was the most important event of human history. They were all staring at it and nobody saw it. And I'm like, not much has changed. We're still not seeing the cross. We've got crosses around our necks. We've got crosses in our buildings. We have cross, we preach on the cross on Easter Sunday morning. And we're still not seeing the cross. Jesus, would you get the witchcraft out of my eyes? Jesus, would you get the covetousness out of my eyes? Jesus, would you get the fornication out of my eyes? Would you wash my eyes today that I might see your cross in a way like I have never seen it before? May Jesus answer that prayer for you today. Our scripture this morning is John 16, 21. It's hours before the cross. It's the night that Jesus is betrayed. Jesus knows what's about to transpire. The disciples do not know what's about to happen. And so Jesus is going to try to prepare his disciples for what they're about to witness. He's going to try to get them ready a little bit. And he gives them a metaphor to prepare them for the cross. And Jesus says to his disciples, a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Jesus is casting his cross as childbirth. 
he is saying to his disciples, I'm about to go into labor. You're going to be distracted with the intensity. You're going to be distracted with the travail. You're going to be distracted with the pushing and the contractions and the sorrow, the intensity. Jesus goes, I'm about to go into hard labor. Things are about to get messy. And Jesus is basically saying, by casting his cross as childbirth, he's basically saying, I'm pregnant. He was pregnant with prophecy. He was pregnant with scripture. He was pregnant with the will of God. He was pregnant with holy purpose. And when you come to the cross, you are looking at a pregnant God who is in childbirth to bring something into our world. And then when you come to the resurrection, here comes the baby. Here comes a, a new and a living way into the Father's heart. Here comes the church. Here comes the new covenant. The cross was childbirth, and the resurrection was the birthing of the baby. When the disciples looked at the cross, all they could see was the end of everything. When God looked at the cross, he saw the beginning of everything. When the disciples looked at the cross, all they could see was a setback. When God looked at the cross, he saw a set up. When the disciples looked at the cross, all they could see was Jesus taking it in the heel. When God looked at the cross, he saw the devil taking it in the head. When the disciples looked at the cross, all they could see was a tomb. When God looked at the cross, he saw a wound. And the reason the travail was so intense was because it was a real big baby. And the nails became Jesus' friend. When a woman goes into labor, the contractions become her friends. I am not speaking on the authority of personal experience. When a woman goes into labor, her eyes change. 
something comes over her and she's like, we are not staying here. This is going to change. When a woman goes into labor, everybody in that birthing room becomes her enemy. Get out of my way. I've got something to work here. And a woman will harness the contractions that feel like her enemies and she will turn them into her friends and use the contractions to bring a new life into the world. That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He took the intensity of his sufferings, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his brow, and he took the intensity, the searing agony of his sufferings, and he harnessed the power of the pain and turned it into contractions, and he began to push on the cross to birth our redemption. And I'm suggesting that your trial is exactly the same thing. The intensity of your trial, the agony of your sufferings, it feels like the pain is your enemy. But you can turn your sufferings into contractions and push and birth the purposes of God in your life. I hear Jesus saying to me from the cross, give me my nails. I've got some work to do here. Give me my nails so that I can stretch my arms even further and show you how much I love you. Give me my nails so that I can earn my stripes as the cap captain of your salvation. Give me my nails and I will build on this hill a tower of salvation. Because when you give the carpenter from Nazareth some nails, he knows what to do with those nails. And the cross became his scaffolding. And he built on that mountain a tower of salvation for our planet. Give me my nails, and I will nail to this cross every accusation that the accuser uses against you. Give me my nails, and I will nail to this cross every sin that is trying to drag you to hell. Give me my nails, and I will nail to this cross the written requirements that are against you.
This is Colossians 2.14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Paul is referring to the law of Moses. In the law of Moses, there were requirements. If you wanted to get close to God, you had to do this, 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 this. And if you wanted to get close to God, you must not do this, 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 this. And it produced a performance-based religion. And none of us could keep up. And the very law that was intended in the heart of God to bring us close became contrary to us. They took my verse away. It, bring it back, it became contrary to us. It actually worked against us and became a barrier between us and God. And on the cross, Jesus took his nails and nailed to his cross performance-based religion. I am so happy today that our gospel is not a performance-based gospel. You are not here today because you had a good week. You are not here today because you have conquered this thing called Christianity. We are here today not because we performed well this week. We are here today on the basis of the cross of Jesus Christ and his performance on that cross. And when you place your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, I'm about to preach the gospel, Pastor. When you place your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, the Father credits to you the performance of Jesus on the cross. And now you become the very righteousness of God by faith because you no longer have confidence in your performance. You have confidence in the performance of Jesus Christ on the cross. He did it all by himself. Jesus, we love you. So when you're looking at the cross, you're thinking to yourself, they nailed him. He goes, I nailed it. 
It was the consummate reversal. They nailed him and he nailed it. Give me my nails. I've got some work to do. If you can receive what I'm about to say, pain can become your friend. Just as a woman will turn her contractions into friends, just as Jesus turned his nails into friends and used the searing agony to push and to birth our redemption, your sufferings have the potential, if you are willing to go there, to become contractions. Use your sufferings, use your trial, use the resistance, use the thing that's against you. Turn it into contractions and push in the Holy Spirit and give us what God is birthing through your life. Your family is waiting for this. Your generation is waiting for this. Your city is waiting for this. Let's grow this thing. Let's bring it to full term. Let's push and birth what God is doing in our lives because there are places you will go in suffering you would have never gone otherwise. When you get in pain, you'll change. Some people haven't changed yet because there's still not in enough pain. When you get in enough pain, your personality changes. And you're like, get out of my way. I have got to get to Jesus. And if you don't move, I'll just run you over. Because I am going to touch the hem of his garment. When you get in enough pain, you lose your fear of man. There are some things in the kingdom you will never birth until you're in enough pain. Jesus Christ is called the firstborn from the dead. A couple places in the Bible where it calls him that, the firstborn from the dead. It's talking about the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says, and it's our next frame if you have it for us, Bible says that Jesus rose as the firstborn from the dead. In other words, when he resurrected, he was born from the dead, but not just born from the dead. He was the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn means 
learned about the firstborn. When I had kids of my own, I've got three beautiful children, six gorgeous grandchildren. And when I had my kids, it was back in the 1900s. Joel is now 40 years old. I know it's shocking, but I have a 40-year-old son. It's shocking. And when Joel came along, this was back in the day when you did not know the gender of your baby in advance. None of this nonsense of knowing what you're having. There was none of this nonsense of painting the bedroom before the baby was born. You didn't know if you're buying blue or pink because you did not know what you were having until the doctor announced it to you when that baby came out. When Joel was born, we're in the birthing room. My wife's eyes changed. She got so focused. I've never seen her so focused in all my life. She is using every power of her entire being on one task. And I'm in the birthing room watching the battle of the ages. Hour after hour after hour of pushing. She is trying to get a head this big out of a space this big. And I'm looking at this thing going, impossible. This cannot happen. I literally thought to myself while I'm watching this war, I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe that seven billion people have come into the world like this. It was intense on steroids. And then my second one, her name is Katie. When Katie came along, she just came out. I'm like, what was that? I was expecting an encore, but we hardly got to the hospital in time for Katie. That's when I learned something about the firstborn. The firstborn is often the hardest. Not 100%, but I'm going to go most of the time. The firstborn is the hardest, and here's why. The firstborn is opening a birth canal for the first time. Jesus Christ was the firstborn. 
born from the dead, and he opened the birth canal of resurrection for the first time. That was the big one. He took on the devil. He took on the grave. He took on hell, and he took on death, and he pushed through the gates of Sheol, and he opened the birth canal of resurrection for the first time. He did the heavy lifting, and now you and I are going to pass through the exact same birth canal, but I've got good news for you. It's going to be a lot easier for you. He went in front of you, opened the birth canal, and has made a way as the firstborn from the dead, so that now you are also going to be born from the dead because you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you will rise through the same birth canal and be resurrected because you've placed your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. When you look at the cross, it appears on the surface that he's doing it from his hands and from his feet. But in our text, John 16, 21, Jesus goes, I did the cross from here. I find it helpful to locate the seat of the human spirit. The seat of the human mind is here. The seat of the human will is here. The Bible talks about being stiff-necked. The seat of your convictions and values. Your heart. The seat of your feelings and emotions. Down in the bottom of your gut somewhere. Somewhere between your emotions and your convictions. Your spirit. The human spirit functions in this vicinity right here. This is important to me because when I want to connect with the Holy Spirit, I don't go here. I don't even go here. I go right here to connect with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to go into labor and I'm going to birth something for this planet. And he did the cross from here to show us how. Do your trial from here. Bring it to full term. Push and birth what God is doing in your life.
When God gives you a promise from his word, you've now got a promise in your spirit. When you get a promise in your spirit, grow that baby. Do not starve your promise. You need lots of faith food right now. That's why you're eating double. That's why you're, you're devouring the word right now. That's why you can't get enough word. You're growing a promise in your spirit. When you have a promise in your spirit, you need a high-carb intake in the word of God. Lots of carbs, lots of word. Feed your promise, grow your promise, get you some faith food, and grow your promise. Bring it to full term and push and give us what God is birthing through your life. I saw that the cross was childbirth. And when I saw that Jesus used his trial as contractions to birth something, I started to find this everywhere in the Bible. I started to look at the various trials that people went through. And Chris, here's what I found out. Many times in Scripture, when somebody went through a fiery trial, it was like a birthing that was happening through their lives. And so this, this lens on the cross, you can find it throughout the whole Bible. In fact, that's what I did with this book. It's not a tomb, it's a womb. I traced in Scripture various stories where God turned tombs into wombs. And the very thing that they thought was going to bury them is used by God to birth his purposes in their lives. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put these four copies right here. Because there's somebody in the house today that needs a free copy. Somebody in your trial, part of your trial is financial. And you're like, I need that book more than anybody else in the room, and I can't afford it. Well, I've got four copies right here for four people this morning. Before you leave, you can just make your way up here and help yourself to a free copy. Because it's not a tomb, it's a womb to birth something in your life. So I'm going to use a couple illustrations from the book, and uh, then we're going to have the worship team come back, and we're going to pray and respond to the Lord. Jacob. Jacob is with his family of 70 in Canaan. And God takes his little family of 70 and moves him down to Egypt.
you know the, the story. They're in Egypt. What was it? 400 years, something like that. If you know the story, you know they were not 400 happy years. And we're all going, what were you thinking? Why did you do that to the guy? He's happy in Canaan, and you stick him inside Egypt for 400 years. Here's what I think God's looking at. God's like, Jacob, if I leave you in Canaan, you're going to be bombarded with warfare over the decades. Everybody's going to be after your plunder. All the surrounding nations are going to be constantly undercutting your population, and your family will never get large enough to take their promised land, because they'd been promised the whole thing, but they needed to get large enough to take that promised land. And God says, Jacob, work with me here. I'm just going to put you in Egypt for 400 years. And in the womb of Egypt, get it, Egypt was Israel's womb. In the womb of Egypt, the little family of Jacob starts to grow. They didn't suffer a single casualty to war for 400 years. For 400 years, Egypt took all the hits. And for 400 years, all Jacob's family did was keep growing. They grew so large in the womb of Egypt that by the time the baby came out, it was born a nation. Can a nation be born in a day? Yes, it can. Growing in the womb of Egypt until it became so large, the womb could no longer hold this baby. And when you look at the story, you're like, why were those 400 years so intense? Why was it so hard? The labor was so intense because it was a real big baby. And God birthed a nation from the womb of Egypt. And he'll do the same with you. He'll put you in a womb to grow you. When, when, when God puts you in a womb, you are not having a good time. It's not a good day right now. You are confined, restricted. You have no options. You can't go anywhere. And you're just like, God, you gave me a promise, but this thing is going nowhere. What are you doing with my life? And God's going, I'm growing you. This is a time to grow in grace, grow in humility, grow in the word, grow in fasting.
fasting and prayer. Grow in the knowledge of Christ. Grow in intimacy with Jesus. Grow this thing. Grow in this world. Could it be that you could so grow in your womb that by the time you come out, you will be so large in grace that you'll be able to take your promised land because God has grown you in the season. It's not a tomb, it's a womb. The people of Israel were going, Egypt is killing us. They have us in forced slave labor. They are killing our babies. Egypt is our tomb. God goes, I don't see a tomb. I see a womb. And the Spirit of God would say to you today, I don't see a tomb. You think it's killing you. And he goes, I don't see a tomb. I see a womb. And the Spirit of God is speaking over your life today. I am growing something in your spirit. I am taking you on a journey. And you are going to bring to birth my purposes. Because you've set your heart on me. You've purposed to come after me. And I am going to bring from the very thing the enemy thought he would take you out. I'm going to use this very thing to birth my purposes through your life. It is not a tomb. You are not going to be taken out. You shall not die. You shall live and declare the goodness of God. It's not a tomb. It's a womb. One more example from the scriptures. John. At the time of our story, John is in his 90s. Caesar is trying to shut the old man up. There's one tradition that goes, they tried to boil him in oil and it didn't work. I'm not sure if that's true, but Caesar's having a hard time shutting the old man up. And Caesar's like, let's banish him to Patmos. We will isolate him from the world. We will stop his influence. And the old man can just die on Patmos. And so they put John in the boat, and they would just drop you off. There's no walls to this prison. The ocean is the wall. There's no dormitory. There's no cafeteria. It's just a rock in the middle of the ocean, and they would drop you off. John is on his boat. Approaching Patmos. I guess this is my tomb. And God's like, I don't see a tomb. For our screen, please, Revelation 1 verse 10. 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. John is writing this from Patmos, and he goes, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He's doing his prison from here. What do you do with a guy who does his prison from here? Because when you get in the spirit, there's no walls in the spirit. There's no confinement in the spirit. You can't confine the Holy Spirit. You can't contain the Holy Spirit. You can't chain the Holy Spirit unrestricted Holy Spirit, uncontainable Holy Spirit. And John, even though he's a prisoner, he gets in the Spirit on the Lord's day and starts to do his prison from here. No time limitations, no distance limitations, no resource limitations. There's no limitations to the Holy Spirit. John, maybe you don't know how to get out of your prison, but nobody can stop Jesus from walking into your prison because the man with feet of fine brass walks wherever he wants to walk. He can walk on water. He can walk on the wind. He can walk on storms. He can walk on fiery stones. He can walk through walls. There is no wall to stop the man with feet of fine brass. And when John got in the spirit, he couldn't get out, but you can't stop Jesus from walking in. He walks into any home he wants to walk into. He walks into any job situation he wants to walk into. He can walk into any circumstance. He can walk into any prison. I don't care how dark your prison. I don't care how depressing the hovel that you are in right now. I don't care how dark your pit. There is no pit too dark to keep Jesus Christ out. Just ask Daniel. Daniel, maybe you don't know how to get out of your lion's den, but Jesus, Jesus knows how to get into your lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you don't know how to get out of your fiery furnace, but Jesus Christ knows how to walk into your fiery furnace. Peter, maybe you don't know how to get out of Herod's prison, but Jesus knows how to get in. Paul and Silas, maybe you don't know how to get out of your Philippian jail, but Jesus knows how to step into your Philippian jail. There is no jail that can keep him out. And when you get in the Spirit, John, now Jesus came to 
join John in his prison. That's the combustible mix when Jesus joins you in your situation, when Jesus joins you in your family, when Jesus joins you in your prison. It's you and Jesus changes history. This is the combustible mix. Get in the spirit, and when Jesus joins with you in your prison, history is going to be changed. And from the tomb of Patmos, I did not say that properly, from the womb of Patmos comes a book, the book of Revelation, birthed on Patmos because John did his prison from here and a tomb became a womb to birth the purposes of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your cross. Thank you for showing us the way you turned your tomb into a womb so that an entire planet can be saved. And you've shown us how to do our cross now. You've shown us how to do our circumstances, our trial. We're going to do it from here. We're going to feed that promise. We're going to grow that promise, bring it to full term, and push and birth your purposes in our lives. In Jesus' name, stand with me, please. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and get ready. They're going to wait on the music until I finished here on the mic just because it helps me personally. But I would like to give an opportunity for somebody in the room today to give their womb to Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity, if you want to, if it's in your heart, to bring your womb to Jesus. And by the way, this is not just for the sisters in the room. This is for the brothers in the room as well. This is for all of us, because all of us have a womb in our spirit in which we are bringing to birth God's purposes in our lives. And there's somebody in the house today that this message was for. There's somebody here today that you're like, I'm in a journey with God. I'm growing something in my spirit. And we want to bless you and pray for you and encourage you to grow that thing and bring it to full term. I'm going to ask if our prayer team would come and be available. I think we have a prayer team here, Pastor. Pastor Tim. So if our prayer team would be available, they're going to come to the front and they're going to face this direction, and they're just going to be here to be 
available to minister to you and pray for you. We're going to pray some dangerous prayers today. We're going to call forth what God is birthing in your life. If you're a sister and you come to a sister, she may actually put her hand right on your womb. If you're a brother and you come to a brother, he may actually put his hand right on your womb and call forth what God is birthing in your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the encouragement of your word. Thank you for the wisdom of the cross of Jesus Christ. And today we are calling forth the resurrection life that flowed through you on your Lord's day, Lord Jesus. We are calling forth that same resurrection life today day to come forth. That which is dead and dying, we say to it, come forth in resurrection life today. This is a day of resurrection. This is a day of the life of God springing forth from within. Spring up, O well, within my soul. Spring up, O purposes of God, in my generation. Spring up, purposes of God, in my family. Bring it to birth. We bless you in Jesus' name. We bless you to bring this thing to full term. We bless you to grow this promise. We bless you to enter into childbirth in the Spirit and to birth the purposes of God in your life and in your family and in your generation. Heavenly Father, I am asking for resurrection power in the house today that as we lay our hands that there will be a coming forth, a breaking forth of resurrection power and life and grace in the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We're going to speak it over your life today, and we're going to prophesy in the name of Jesus. It is not a tomb. It is a womb in the Holy Spirit for the purposes of God to be born in your life in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Those that want to come forward, you're welcome to do that. If that's not you, stand where you are and lift your hands to Jesus and let's worship him together because he makes a way for us where there seems to be no way and he calls forth what we cannot see. He calls things that we cannot see as though they already are. And he is speaking over your life. This is holy purpose. This is resurrection life. It's not a tomb. It's a womb. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.